Today we are joined by Reverend Dr. James Mellon, who is the founding spiritual director of the Global Truth Center. I asked Dr. James to come on because he is actually the minister at the spiritual center where I grew up. And he has a really incredible story, and I focus this episode on unshakable faith. This has nothing to do with religion. I feel like I have to preference that for my listeners because I feel like the vast majority of us aren't necessarily religious, but we are spiritual. And if you are religious, that's great. Um, But this episode really dives deep into spirituality, spiritual principles, and how you can move through this crazy world that we live in that is filled with pain and trauma and injustices with a really resounding faith um, that is unshakable. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. It was an absolute pleasure to sit down with Dr. James. I am a big fan of his and stick around um, all the way through the end to hear this week's affirmation and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, it's Alexis Haynes, and this is my podcast, Recovering From Reality. Dr. James, as I know you, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I want to dive into, um, or I should say when I first reached out to you, I I had this idea that was downloaded to me from the universe in a meditation that I needed to do a podcast episode on unshakable faith. Oh, I love that. And one of the first people that I thought of was you. Oh, thank you. Um, Because you have been through so much in your life and yet remain... or at least it seems to me so rooted and grounded in your truth and just the profound knowingness that everything is okay. Well, certainly this year has been remarkably challenging. Um, My daughter, as you know, uh, 19 scholarship actress at UCLA, um, was driving and was hit by a, a speeding car and she passed away almost instantly. So, you know, in the face of that, as someone who who teaches that life unfolds perfectly, it's hard to look at that and say, "Wow, but this is this is perfect. This is supposed to be. I'm supposed to believe this is perfect." But as you said, I have a faith that is so strong and so deeply rooted that when I really asked the question and came to my senses, um, I had to understand that since life is eternal, I don't believe life ends when our bodies die. Uh, if life is eternal, then her life as it is, is continuing. So who am I to say this wasn't the perfect expression of her life? It's just a real bitch for my life. Yeah. You know, and for everybody around her. Yeah. And you have a son. I do. And her a husband. A twin. Her a twin. twin. Yeah. Yeah. And my husband of 31 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so it rocks your world. And it's like, you know, you have so many moments, I'm sure, of like how and why. Yeah, and, and it does rock your world. You know, I do a lot of counseling, a lot of marriage counseling. And an event like this generally rocks a marriage. And if there was anything wrong with it to begin with, the shakiness of this can dissemble a marriage. Yeah. You know, mine, uh, you know, 31 years together, 
Ours has gotten stronger. We have leaned into one another to deal with this. Um, and our son, uh, you know, as twins, I mean, I mean, Will lost his best friend. Yeah. He lost, you know, he used to joke when he was little. He used to kid because, you know, brothers. You, you have brothers? No, you just have. No, I have a brother. We don't speak. Oh, but well, I have I have two sisters. Yes, yeah. I know your sisters. <laughs> yes, uh, so brothers and sisters can be crazily and very kind of at each other mm. growing up. And Will and Nora were best friends and best enemies. You know, as yeah. they grew up, and he used to make this joke. Uh, he would say, ah, "I should have gone with my plan to get rid of her in vitro." <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know that came up recently, and he just laughed. He said. I can't take all of that and now like start questioning it or be sad that I said something like that because she's still here. She's all around me. She talks to me. She's she's here. Mm. So I'm glad that I raised my children in a philosophy of life that gave Will the opportunity to have faith when this happened as well. Yeah. Let's dive into that a little bit. When, and for people, we just kind of dove right into the heavy <laughs> yeah, know, stuff. Right? But... Um, this we're not talking about religion here. No. Uh, we're not. <laughs> Doctor James is not a pastor of Christianity, or <laughs> no, no, no. I was a um, Chippendales dancer. <laughs> I think that would be difficult to like suddenly turn into a. Oh my god, I love Christian you for pastor. talking about that. Um, <laughs> although these days I have seen some crazy things with pastors now having these, you know, these True. really born again experiences, and yes. then turn get devout, get becoming devout, yeah, evangelical. Uh, the evangelical Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's dive into that. Like how, how, my, so my mom, I should preface this by saying when I grew up, I, I went to the, I was back then it was called, what was it called? The Westlake. Oh, the Westlake Church of Church Religious Science. Church of Religious Science. Right. And I was raised in this philosophy that's kind of like a universal truth. Right. Um, it's kind of a little bit, um, it kind of dabbles into everything a little bit. Well, well, you know, Ernest Holmes, who's the yes. founder of religious science, um, he basically said he didn't want to create another religion. He said religions are part of the problem with the world. Yes. Uh, he wanted to create a philosophy and a way of life. Yes. And that's really what I consider it. Yes. So um, the science of mind is how I was raised, mm-hmm. that and in Buddhist philosophy as well. Mm-hmm. My mom was a devout meditator when I grew up. And, and she still is. She still is yeah. to this day. Right. Um, and so how how did you find um, this work? And what really called you into saying like, okay, I'm going to devote my life to doing this? Well, if you look at my background, I grew up in an Irish Catholic family. That did not work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to New York and started starring in Broadway shows. I starred in West Side Story, Chorus Line, 42nd Street, and had a pretty big career. Came out to L.A. as an actor, writer, director, signed by CAA instantly. And uh, my career was just going gangbusters. And then I heard a man speak. Uh, I went to a lecture, and it was religious science, which I, I wasn't like you. I was not brought up you weren't in that. raised like that yeah. no i was raised no. with that god in the sky who basically was a smiter yeah. you know he would smite me down especially for being gay yeah. and for being uh, uh in tune with my own sexuality yeah so uh so i'm in la and i get this i hear this guy speak and i think he's saying what i believe 
that God is not something in the sky. It's this energy. It's this it's energetic. All around us. Yeah, it is this, us. It's right, everything. It is, it is us. Yeah. So and and the Catholics teach that they yeah. teach. God is everywhere. Well, if God's everywhere, did I suddenly step out of everywhere? Yeah. So it has to be me and you and all of Mm us. So, you know, it was real empowering and it made me very excited. And I just started going to services and lectures and taking classes. And the next thing I know, I'm wanting to be a minister. And they still call it minister. But um, I'm trying to get away from even that moniker so that it's more a spiritual director. Um, Because spirituality is not religion. Yeah. Religion's the box that And you they can put be you very in. religious and not at all spiritual and not living by spiritual principles at all, which oh, we yeah. see with, you know, our politics all the time of like, you really follow Jesus Christ? Because I personally, I love Jesus Christ. I love Jesus Christ, the man who came here, who yep. was a religious rule breaker, who said, no, we're not going to treat the homeless like this. We're not going to treat the people in poverty, the sick, the wounded, mm-hmm. the traumatized like this any longer. Right. And he fought like hell until he, was you know eventually executed for it uh, uh, for these huge movements and so when i see these children at the border and i see the crises yeah. and the things happening in syria i go there's no way that we can claim you know to ha- be in tune and in line with spiritual principles and because they're not because they're not no and yeah. and, and and you bring up a very good point it's the christians that actually put the current administration into power yeah, because they had such a support for this. I, I don't know how you support... And, and, and an adulterer, is, a an man adulterer, who uh, yeah. talks about sexually assaulting women. Buying them off to keep yeah. them quiet. I, I don't I, know how, as a, as, as a moral person, you, you back that. And yeah. yet the bulk of Christian United States Christianity backed that. You know, yeah. so we have to remember that Jesus was not a Christian. No, he was born a Jewish. He also wasn't white, and he didn't have blue eyes either. You guys, no, he was no. a Middle Eastern man. He okay? was not an Abercrombie and Fitch no, model he... <laughs> on a cross. No. Oh my God! Thank you, yeah. Doctor James. I'm right here with you for this. So, so he wasn't a Christian. He was a Jew who was basically saying, "Guys, we're we're getting this wrong. Yeah. So stop with the money. Stop with the politics. Let's yeah. love each other." Yes. So to me, that's why when people say, "Are you a Christian?" I go, "Yeah." I am a Christian in that I follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. I like what Jesus taught. I like what Buddha taught. Yes. I like what, what um, Gandhi taught. I yeah. like what the Bhagavad Gita says. I like all of it if you follow it, but mm-hmm. not just the word Christian. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, no, we're on the same page. Yeah, and it's really interesting, you guys, because before the Bible was translated into the English word, mm-hmm. it was actually that the hell is right here on this planet. That's right. what they talked about. That hell is here. It's not something that you're going to and eventually. Heaven, it's right here. here. And that heaven's here yeah. too. And you get and to that choose. And that by achieving enlightenment, not in those words, right. but by achieving that living in spiritual principles and going out into the world and doing good and having these rich, beautiful connections with people, you can achieve heaven right here. And what's painful to me about the, the Christian movement is that they're all waiting to go up to some magical heaven based on this new translation of the bible Mm -hmm. but at the meet in the same time they're killing the planet the heaven that is right here before us that's full of ups and downs and mountains and valleys and amazing waters and oceans and animals and we're killing it all Mm -hmm. because we think oh well one day you know jesus is going to come down and take us all up with him and who cares what the planet's going to look like because he's going to fix it all and and he will become the one true god and it's just like 
you guys, we can't do this anymore. No, and I think Jesus is turning over in his... I was going to say grave. He's turning <laughs> over behind his stone. He, he, yeah. I, you know, I think if Jesus came yeah. back and said, you're really doing and, all this in my name? And he could be one of those children at the border, you guys. Totally. And you wouldn't know it. Totally. And Absolutely. He, he would care. be one of those yes. children at the border. He would. You know, it's funny, Because <laughs> he was a refugee, FYI. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are good. You know, I'm sitting here looking at you thinking, you should be a minister. <laughs> <laughs> One day, when I have enough space in my yes, mind. Yes, <laughs> got it. Okay, then you're going to call me. Then I'll call you. Yes, yes, that's good. Well, I, I'm glad you're bringing all this up. I don't get to be, I don't get to talk politics much, and I don't mm. talk politics much as a as a spiritual leader. Um, but I do believe that there are things we have to stand up for. You yeah. know, Ernest Holmes said, "Show me a man who can, uh, show me a man who can stand for something and against nothing." Mm. So I'm not against anyone. But I am for certain things, and I require those things to be followed, like the dignity of mankind. Yes, I feel the same way. Amen. Yeah, and so it is. And so it is, <laughs> exactly. Everyone, for whoever wants to know where the whole and so it is thing came from, because we finish every episode with that. And if you watched my reality show, oh. we said that after like every single episode. And then I also have it tattooed on my body. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. right here on my fingers. Oh, that's when I great. Give a peace sign that says, I'm so actually having is. a tattoo put right here that oh. says, remember. Oh. Because one of my big things is love only, mm-hmm. forgive everything, mm-hmm. and remember who you are. Yes. I love that. Yeah, me too. So I'm just going to put remember. Yeah. So like, and so it is, is how, so the Church of Religious Science and Ernest Home philosophy, as we're kind of diving into this, one of the crucial parts of it, and this was before The Secret even came out. I know, right? Right. So everybody back in, in the day when I was a kid living in the suburbs and my mom had these life-size Buddhas and we would have affirmations and vision boards and all of this stuff like all over our house and people thought that we were crazy now everybody's doing yeah, it right now you're because just the trendsetter it's the power of the mind right so uh-huh. we finish every single one of our prayers and every single one of our affirmations with and so it is meaning we're claiming this to be truth in our lives and do you know why you can do that hmm. because your mind is so powerful it is. because all we are is consciousness we live in a sea of consciousness. Do you ever walk into a room and you just get this feeling like, oh, something's icky, yeah, icky. icky here. Yeah, yeah. right? Uh, I'm glad you used that word too, icky. Yes. Yeah, me too. So, you know, you walk into a room or you walk into a place and you're like, your soul just starts to mm-hmm. open. You're like, oh, this is so beautiful. That's just consciousness. Yeah. And since we have choice in our consciousness, when we say, and so it is, we're saying what I just said makes it's sense. Truth. It's true. And it now has a reverberation. It yes. just vibrates out into the universe. Yes, absolutely. And when um, I just read this, ama- or I was listening to a meditation by Joe Dispenza last night. I love night. Joe Dispenza. Love him. Yes. In the end of the meditation, it was talking about how, um, uh, what was it, that that when we're focused, and I want to dive into this because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. had cancer. Yes, And healed from cancer. And so... Um, so much of our healing is not just telling ourselves, but actually imagining a life with how we want it to look and living in that life in our imagination and through meditation because our bodies, if we just tell 
them all the time, it, that's one thing. But when we're actually feeling how good health feels, what does it feel like to wake up in the morning and have unlimited amounts of energy? What does it feel like to get a good night's sleep every night? What does mm -hmm. it feel like when my cells are alive and fully functioning and mm -hmm. all of these things? And, and there are real miracles of people healing themselves and moving past. And sometimes Western medicine is needed. But it's like there are total um, huge things happening in his community specifically. And I love how he's talking about it's not just affirming and saying things. No, it's not. It's actually envisioning what this feels like in my body to be at peace. Yes. And it even goes beyond the envisioning because so many people think they can just, when the secret came out, the reason why a secret hasn't gone any further than when it came out and was a big splash yeah. Uh, but the reason why it kind of died in its tracks is because it was about change your thinking, change your life. Well, you can't really change your thinking. You can do it a little bit in your mind, but it's about your core beliefs. Yeah. It's not change your thinking, change your life. It's change your beliefs and watch where your life follows. So in 2010, 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. First, I, you know, I just had a little thing in my throat and I couldn't understand what it was. And they kept saying, you're so healthy. There's nothing there. You just talk too much because I, I speak so, so much in my career and I sing. So I was like, no, 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 no. You need to do a biopsy. Thank God I had because it was already stage four and had moved into my lymph system. <clears throat> so when that happened, I was like, stage four. I said, what's stage five? And the doctor didn't laugh, even though that was a joke, because I knew what stage five was. Yeah. I was in another realm. So I immediately knew I'd be fine. But I believed I'd be fine. I didn't just say, my body's good, my body's good. Affirmations are great, but if they're not backed by a belief that supports that affirmation, yeah. the affirmation's like, you know, speaking into the wind. Yeah. So I spoke the truth and I said, look, I'm going to be fine. What do you need me to do? Now, I didn't just suddenly say, my mind's going to heal my body. I did chemo, I did radiation, I did everything that I was told to do, but simultaneously I said, this is all going to be fine. I will be fine. Yeah. And so the, one of the funny parts of this is that my oncologist asked me to shave my head, said, you're going to have a really, because my hair was like at my shoulders at the mm -hmm. time. And he was, she was like, you should shave your head. It's going to be really freaky for you when your hair starts falling out in the shower. And I was like, my hair is not falling out in the shower. I'm not losing my hair. I said, I, I will deal with the indignities that everything you're going to put me through, my hair is off, off limits. And mm -hmm. she said, you're getting cisplatin, which is the strongest chemo we have. You will lose your hair. I said, I won't lose my hair. Mm -hmm. I never lost my hair. Wow. I'd come back in each week and she'd be like, wow, you, she said, we call you our miracle <laughs> patient. I said, no, it's not a miracle. No. The mind yes. controls the body. Yeah. So about a few weeks later, no, months later, I came in and I weighed 100 and I right now weigh 168 pounds. I weighed 138 pounds mm -hmm. from the chemo and the radiation. It was just awful. The sickness, it makes you so weak and oh, sick. I and, couldn't eat yeah. anything. It was just throwing up all the time. I walked in. My doctor said, you know, you've been so good with your hair. You really should talk to your body about nausea. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, you're, you're right. right. Yes. yes. I was like, you know why I'm, I'm nauseous? Because I believed, believed I'd be nauseous. you get nauseous from the medication. Yes, and how so could you, you not? I, so of course, yeah. I believed it, hook, line, yeah. and sinker. So we're believing a lot of stuff mm. that we don't even know we're believing because we've just been taught it. Yeah. 
And I love that Joe Dispenza dives into the neuropathways and the neuroscience because that's the thing is your core beliefs, you guys, are developed before you even realize you have them from zero to seven. Yep. And those neuropathways start and they're they're moving on a track, right? And that's the track that they're going. And so when you're uh, reprogramming, I like to call it reprogramming yep. these core beliefs, right? I am powerful. I'm capable of things I don't even know that I'm capable of. The power within me is the force is so strong. I can achieve anything that I put my mind to. Like these core beliefs that that I'm working on, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. I have a life of trauma. And so all of those beliefs that I'm powerful and strong went away when I was being raped at five. Like yes, gone. Know. You know what I mean? Like those, the, all of that stuff is taken. I'm so from, sorry that happened to you. That's okay. And I'd like to dive into that too because I had such a hard time. Talk about unshakable faith. Well, first, I want to go back to this to this one analogy that I have because I heard it last week and I thought it was really good. Imagine like a little guy in your brain that's shoveling down a pathway, right? And he's just flipping out the sand, flipping out the sand. And the new pathways that you're creating are are also another little guy next to him. And he's flipping the sand, but he's burying the other guy's <laughs> hole, right? And so that's what you're literally trying that's to good. do. And so in my meditations, I imagine that, that that other guy, that old neural pathway is going really slow mm-hmm. and his digger is getting heavier and heavier and the mm-hmm. new guy's just coming and he's filling up the holes and he's creating new pathways and it's reverberating out and we're learning new things and new truths and endless possibilities and all of these things. And that's what I'm doing in my meditation. Um, that's a great analogy, by the way. I love I, it. I can actually see that. In my yeah, head. like you're imagining. Can't ima- you see those what, little Yes, men? you're yeah. imagining them. Yeah. That's when you have that brain fart, and you're thinking, like, "What's that word? What's a?" I think about that little guy who's like in there. <laughs> and you know what they say about how long it takes to create those? Isn't it thirty days or sixty days? Twenty-one, 21 days, days for a habit. <clears throat> thirty days, and these are like who knows who came up with this mm-hmm. stuff, but but twenty-one days for a habit, thirty days for a neural pathway, mm-hmm. and those neural pathways are really I like to imagine them as well. Now I'm going to think of them as your little alleys, <laughs> but I like to imagine them from the idea to the demonstration. Mm. So. When you talk about your core beliefs and you talk about knowing that you are more powerful than anything you'd ever imagined, you can do anything you imagine, correct? Yeah. That's what you know. So that's the beginning. That's the belief. And as you build that, you then start doing it. And you can start feeling it in your body, you guys. Like when I say this now, if you would have asked me five months ago when I was suicidally depressed, I would have told you no way. Yes, But I can actually, like, on an emotional level, like, that's how you know it's coming alive because you can feel it in the emotions in your body when you say it of, like, I'm sorry I doubted you for so long. Like, Jesus. Like, you know. Well, it comes down to identity. Yeah. You you are are understanding who you are. Yeah. Really understanding your true identity, which is not about what you do. Your identity is not based on what you do. It's based on the truth of your being. Mm. Very different. You know, I was brought up believing that, I had my identity. I was a big Broadway star by 25. Yeah. So that was my identity. I proved to everybody because my family, their their core beliefs were, uh, we never get the breaks. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. how I grew up. We never get the breaks. Yeah. We're always the victim. Nobody ever gives us anything. Because you know my last name. Yeah. Mellon. Yeah. So when the Mellons came over from Ireland, half of them went to Philadelphia and became cops and firemen. Mm-hmm. Half of them went to Pittsburgh and became billionaires. Mm. I'm from Philly. Okay. 
So, so I have a whole background yeah. of the Mellon family saying we and never we get the breaks. Get we didn't get yeah. the money. So, as you just said, I from zero to seven, and probably way before that, uh, I grew up with we never get the breaks. But my reaction to it was really watch. Yeah. And so mine was like a defiant, which doesn't mean I still don't believe it. Yeah. I was just defying it. Yeah. Now I don't believe it even. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as I don't get the breaks. Yeah. I make my breaks. Yeah. I, it's a hard thing, though, because especially for people, we're talking so much in our culture about privilege. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's hard because this movement, and I was totally getting it back on track of our unshakable faith. <laughs> but here we go, because this is such a riveting conversation. But um, there's this movement of of what you think and what you believe becomes your reality. And I very much do believe that people can pull themselves out of the depths of hell, literally physical mm-hmm. hell on earth, um, despite, you know, their reality. But at the same time, there is systematic racism and oppression right. and things that are beyond people's control. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that the more people that start into this work realize that the first people we need to help and give a, a lifting hand up to mm-hmm. are the people of color that that are have been so suppressed for so long because mm-hmm. it, it raises our collective consciousness when everybody is doing at least okay and right now so many people aren't because of the um lack of education in certain Mm -hmm. parts of this country and because people have had generational trauma and so much so for me it's like i'm so grateful that i had this childhood that was really i it was really chaotic but at the same time i was receiving these spiritual principles Right, right right and so i do feel like that benefited me and obviously the fact that like I'm white and pretty and live in Los Angeles. And so not everybody has You You've had a life this. of privilege. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've had a lot of dra- trauma. Yeah. And drama. <laughs> trauma and drama. And there was, you know, socioeconomic struggles and stuff like that too for, for us. But um, I think we have to be really careful with with just – I don't, I don't know, and I don't know what, how you feel about this, just saying, like, oh, if the kid that lives in the ghetto in New York just believed better or hard enough that yeah. he would, you know, it's it's hard. Because you hear that a lot with these manifestation people now that are out there. Yeah, but you know what? There. They don't get it. They, they don't, don't They really it. don't get it, and yeah. that, that, that infuriates me yeah. when people say, well, you know, if you're a poor person in Guatemala, then that's just what you're equal to. Yeah. It's like, no, I go to Guatemala every single summer. And I, I volunteer every single summer at an orphanage, which is in the middle of a rainforest, where kids have shoes that they barely that she, yeah. they sh- that any of us would have thrown away two years ago, um, that don't have good diets. That that and yet I will say this: there was one day I was watching these kids play with these can bottle tops of cans, and they made up this great game, and it was very complicated. And when they tried to explain it to me. They had the best time. I watched them yeah. have so much fun or sitting just reading a book. And I'm thinking to myself, my own children have a very privileged life, lots of amazing things. Yeah. And, you know, I, I then took my daughter the next year. Yeah. And then I took my son this last year and it changed them. They were like, yeah. oh, my God. That's so important for me, too. I want my kids to realize, like, what is what the, we just had a, a talk recently about waste. 
and about how we're uh, actually not buying junk toys anymore because it is so wasteful. Good. And so we went and had this whole conversation about how many kids only have a couple toys or no toys at all and what we can do to be better with our, the toys that we have and which toys we can donate and mm-hmm. how we can stop, you know, and how we can have experiences as a family rather than just going to Target. And we can save all that money from buying the toy every time you get an A yeah. or whatever it is and instead become better human beings. Um, but back into unshakable faith for a minute because so I often get questioned and they go people go, okay, you were raped as a child by a family member. So you experienced incest. Your parents divorced when you were three. Your dad was a really abusive, chaotic alcoholic. Your mom was this free-loving, pot-smoking hippie who was really imbalanced at the time. Um, she always took on like projects. So people would come live with us that were really unstable. And she dated many men who I fell in love with, um, before she ended up marrying my stepfather, who I don't have a great relationship with and never did. And then I was raped again at 16. And then I was a full blown drug addict by the time I was 15. And then I was in jail twice before I was 19. And like, how do you have faith? Like how how do you even believe that there could possibly be anything, whether you call it universe, God, Buddha, Jesus, whatever it is? Like, And so as two people who have literally walked through fire here on this planet, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I, I had many moments, even as recently as a year ago when the fires happened, the shooting happened, then the fires happened. The shooting happened, then the fires happened. And then my grandfather committed suicide and then, um, you know, and I had all of this trauma that I thought that I had worked through, but everything started bubbling to the surface. And I started questioning, like, if there's a God, then why, why was I being raped at five? Like, why, you know what I mean? It's a very difficult question to answer. Yeah. And yet I will answer it. (laughs) Yeah. The Christians say, and just to say, like, the Christians say, oh, well, because that's the devil and he's here doing his work. But see, I don't the Christi- buy it. The Christians believe in victims. <laughs> yeah. The, the Christians believe that there are perpetrators and victims and, mm-hmm. and you don't have any choice in this. See, what I believe is that um, children are at the unfortunate, uh, you know, the, it's their parents, the people that are in charge of them that, uh, you know, you said five at five years old, you know, there was a consciousness around you. There was an energy around that whole, your whole family center. Um, there are people that will tell you that you chose that from some other life. Yeah, I don't buy that. Yeah, I, I was annoyed. I don't buy anybody. Don't you just want to, I want to slug them. those people. Yeah. yeah, me too. No, nobody, <laughs> I don't buy that this is my like karma that I need to move through here. You know no, what I mean? Like, no, I, don't, I don't buy that either. Yeah. But what I do know is that since I can't stand back far enough to figure out how a five-year-old gorgeous, beautiful child could be abused in any way, um, what I can do is use my mind and my soul and my heart to just put love back into the world because I can't, ha- I don't, you'll never find an answer to that particular question mm-hmm. unless you have some major epiphany of love, love of a loving, illuminating understanding where you suddenly get it. I, I was in a, in a um, conference where a woman stood up and it was on forgiveness and a woman stood up and she explained to the two people who had written the book on, on forgiveness uh, that her husband had raped her two daughters mm. and that the court was still trying to enforce some visitation for this man. 
And she was saying, how do you expect me to forgive him? How do you expect me to move on with my life? And it kind of stopped the conference dead on. Because, But it was a good thing because it was like, you better answer this because this is what yeah. forgiveness is all about. Yep. And so then we got into radical forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And do you know what radical forgiveness yep. is? So radical forgiveness just says that at the core of everything, at your deepest place, the place where, you know, Alex is perfect and has never been anything but no one can touch that no one can harm that no one can pull anything out of that you are perfect full complete powerful amazing no one can touch that that's the core of you that's radical forgiveness to go there and say you know what do your worst like jesus you know Mm -hmm. go ahead hang me you know crucify me beat me up whatever you will never touch the truth of who i am yeah so radical forgiveness is finding yourself back in that place and saying, I understand, I see everything that happened, and I will no longer allow my unforgiveness to qualify my life. Yeah. And I think that's what you do innately, by the way. I know it is. And so when all of this turmoil was happening last year, I literally felt like I was physically dying, you guys. Like yeah. that's where the suicidal thoughts and the, all of the stuff start coming up to the surface, right? Um, and all of the pain is very, very much so there. And I started working with that woman, Uta. She came on the podcast. She's amazing. And um, she said, she kept saying to me, we would do emotional freedom technique tapping. Mm-hmm. Oh, and right. so I, I had done so much work. I'd done six years of work. Um, but then there was two people that I couldn't forgive. Mm. One was my mom. Mm. Because I had this idea of her in my whole life that she was perfect. And then when all of a sudden I realized that she wasn't and like all of the ways that she didn't protect me, I got really mad and mm-hmm. I carried that. And and so there was her and then there was my perpetrator. Right. And those two, or, there was actually three because there was two perpetrators in her, but the most was the childhood sexual abuse because it was so heinous. But there were, I like I couldn't. So when we start tapping and we're moving through the memories and we're doing meditation and Reiki and all these things, and she kept saying to me, like, forgiveness is the choice that the wise man makes for themselves, not for the other person. It's for themselves. You don't forgive what they did. Yes, because at our core of the pure essence, that raw, perfect, aligned being that is in the center of us we want to get back there mm-hmm. all the time and that can't express itself when there's rage no. and anger that's no. still there and so you choose to forgive not for them but for yourself exactly and when anybody asked me if i could go over again and just have like the perfect white picket fence childhood with like nothing my answer is always no yeah. because the relationships that I have with people, my outlook on life, being able to do this, you know, would I like to see all childhood sexual abuse end? Of course, Mm -hmm. of course. But the reason why, you know, I'm doing this and I speak about it so often is because if we really want to change that, 
we have to encourage everybody to lift their consciousness out of, you know, I always say the beginning of civilization was when we stopped being civilized and move back to our primal selves. And our primal selves, we lived in tribes. We believed in community. We cared about our behavior because if we had bad behavior, then we got kicked out of the tribe and we'd have to go fight the wolves by ourselves. Mm -hmm, We mm -hmm. cared about each other that everybody ate. The women had their menstruation together, their their babies together. They helped raise each other's baby. And sure, were there problems? Absolutely. But we were almost, I would argue, we were better off then than we are now in this sick culture and society that believes in the individual instead of the collective. And you know what, though? I I would agree with you. Mm -hmm. And I would add that I think Cosmic consciousness, which means the collective consciousness that Mm -hmm. people are starting to understand that Mark Nepo, who's a brilliant uh, New York Times bestselling author, he's been on Oprah, he he has a book out now called More More Together Than Alone. Mm. And it's literally about what you're talking. And it's, I believe that we are reaching a, 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 a limit to how much more we can take. And so people are starting to reach this understanding of cosmic consciousness, meaning we're all one thing. You know, stop. uh, Ernest Holm has this great quote. Stop reaching for fragments when you're already the whole thing. Yeah. So when we start remembering who we are and remember that you are me and I am you, I can't allow anything that's going on right now. Right now, the trafficking, you know, women trafficking in the world is just abhorrent. What's going on in China? What's going on in in um, Uganda? You know, yeah. so uh, many atro- atrocities all over the world. It's yeah, and it's almost hard because as spirit as people who are so so. Here was my problem, right? So I started diving in again to Mm -hmm. my truth that I know that I am part of this consciousness, that it is me. It is my entire being, my mind, body, soul, the whole thing. Every single little bit of it is the greater, right? Mm -hmm. Is is everything. And um, so I started diving into this. And but I know also consciously about what's going on in the world and right. the pain, the crushing pain starts to and this started happening around right after um, our current president was elected. I started waking up and that pain, it's almost debilitating. Yeah. And so it's it's especially for sensitive people, you have to be so careful and really learn how to protect that energy and how to tap back into that knowingness that you are me and I am you and that that perfect mm-hmm. creation is all that there really is and the rest is all bullshit. Yep, and, uh, and there's something I want to say to to your, your listeners and to, to you and for myself. Um, you know, I teach a lot. I have a lot of classes that I teach. Uh, and one of the things I say that it's controversial and that people fight me on but ultimately understand what I'm saying, we live in a very empathetic society. We live in a very sympathetic society. Um, I actually teach sympathy and empathy can be very difficult and can be bad for people. Because empathy would mean you're telling me about being raped at five and I'm starting to take that on myself, to Mm -hmm. feel it. That's what an empath is. And I always liken it to, if I'm in a pool drowning because I don't know how to swim, please don't jump drown into the pool too. to drown with me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need anybody else drowning with me. Yeah. So, so empathy really is not helpful in a situation like what we're living in right now. It's better to be, as the Dalai Lama says, there's sympathy, there's empathy. Sympathy means, oh, you poor thing. Poor thing. I don't want people looking. When, mm-hmm. I, when Nora passed away, 
I, I didn't want the people going, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. It was, it was infuriating. And, and, and I knew they meant well, but it doesn't yeah. matter. You're it, not, it, this is what, not what I need. No. And I didn't want the empathetic, I know how you feel. No, you mm-hmm. don't. You don't know Unless how I feel. Unless you've had a child that died. Yeah. No, And you even don't. if you do, your child to it's you different. is different than my child to yeah. me. So although I understand that context. Yeah. So I'm not interested in empathy. I'm not interested in sympathy. The Dalai Lama talks about compassion and says, mm-hmm. compassion is un- unconditional love. Yep. If you can come from unconditional love, you don't need to be empathetic or sympathetic. You will create a space for people where they are so comfortable being with you. They feel so supported, so loved, that they will actually, you'll be able to help them now because you're no longer feeling bad for them, nor are you trying to feel what they're feeling. You're just providing a space for them yeah. to have some passionate safety. And yeah. that's what the world needs right now, I think. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting because so many people are like, oh, I'm an empath. I'm. As soon as I hear that, I'm like, oh, well, do me a favor. Please, <laughs> Please don't be an empath away. around yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally. And, and so it's like for these, for these more sensitive people, for the people who are waking up, it's easy to feel so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so I would suggest that the most important thing is to go back to that truth and that knowingness that everything that I need is already here and that I can tap into the truth that whatever is expressing itself out there, even though I don't understand it, is for the greatest good and that I can be a force for change in the world through compassion Yes, um, and through just continuously rising my consciousness and doing the things that I need to do to support others to do the same yeah to stay there and i say this too here's a here's a really good one don't allow the conditions to condition you Mm. think about that yeah if you had allowed all the things that transpired in your life to condition you and you did to a degree but then you became aware of it Mm -hmm. and you started taking charge of what you're conditioning your mind to know yeah but we let the conditions condition us look at where we are right now we're in the we're in the you know we've got impeachment everywhere you look yeah. And, you know, there are people that think that's a great thing, probably the two of us sitting here, and there are people that think it's not. Yeah. And so we're living in a very divided world. So I'm not, I'm not allowing those conditions to condition me into becoming this crazy Angry, person. Angry, polarized, yeah, polar- charged up. No, 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 I won't do it. I just won't do it. Yeah. I will not allow government to do that to my mind. Yeah, yeah, or anything, really. No, and yeah. Um, I just think that too. Um, it's important. It's it's important. I'm not saying don't be informed. It's important to be informed. Oh yeah, we, we, they they sometimes talk about this type of philosophy as being like the ostrich philosophy, yeah. where you stick your head in the sand and go, yeah. "Oh, God will take care of it. God yeah. will take care of no. it." Well, since I recognize that you're God and I'm God, it's our job to take care of yeah. it. Yeah, look at it, see what it is, and be willing to do yeah. something about it. I agree. Yeah, that's what I was going to tap into is yes. that like a lot of people are like, oh, well, we'll just like, you know, manifest it away. And it's like, no, we have to be fully informed, fully engaged in our lives and then make conscious choices. And the way to do that is by t- tapping into our consciousness and and rising that through meditation, through communities of people who are also on this journey and doing this work. Right. And um by listening to podcasts like this and and having these kind of really deep and meaningful, you know, yeah, and I want to I want to really applaud you for for 
doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of your podcasts. I went back and started listening to some of your podcasts. Mm, thank you. And uh, we need more people out there that are willing to just sit down and talk yeah. and, 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 and speak of truth. Yeah. And, and you're not afraid of the issues. No. And you might disagree. And yeah, that's okay, and, too. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that part of of this is like you you have to be willing to listen to things that maybe don't necessarily that you don't align right. with on a hundred percent you know what I mean? Sure. I always love the whole like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and it's like <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes people get like a little they're like, That's too radical for me, Alexis and I'm like, Okay, well then take what you want and leave the rest. You know, I was in a meeting a meeting with the with our congregation and I said this is right after Donald Trump was elected. And I said, I said, you know, I know a lot of you are really angry and really upset, but I trust and know that the right person was elected. And oh my God, the, the whole room went nuts. They're like, really, you're going to say, you think? I said, no, I have a deeper faith, getting back to our topic. I, had a, I have a deeper faith than the man sitting in the White House. I believe that, I don't know why he was elected. He wasn't my candidate, but there's going to come something from this that benefits us yeah. something and it has we have uh, there's a spotlight on Look the, at the United women's States. march i yes. mean uh, that would have never happened millions and millions of women around the world Absolutely. stood up and said you're not gonna grab my you know pussy you know what? <laughs> and Just tell me what like to it do is. with it okay yeah. with their little hats and all of well, the, the night that he got elected i was sitting with my daughter yeah. who's no longer here and she was sitting next to me. It was just us for some reason. And we're ready to, for the first female president. Yeah, and she's like so excited. And she's got a Hillary thing on her shirt. And she's just, we're just sitting there. And as the night went on, of course, it got more and more depressing. And she, when it really, when it was made obvious, she started sobbing. I was like, Nora, Nora. I said, you know what? It's going to be okay. She goes, no, dad, it's not. Because you know what? All my rights are going away. She goes, your rights are going away. You're you're now a married, a gay married man. He wants to get rid of that. He wants to get rid of my right to, to have an abortion if I need to have an abortion. And I said, and I said to her, I said, Nora, Donald Trump, the United States of America, the government, they're not in charge. Not really. They think they're in charge. I said, but they're not in charge because there's a bigger power for good in the universe. Mm. And that's who we are. And that's who they are. They just lose sight of that. I said, so just take a breath and just let's see how this unfolds. Mm. And I think that's important. And at that meeting that night, I said, is there any Republicans in this room? I said, because frankly, I think you're afraid to tell us you're Republicans and I will not be in a center, a spiritual center. Where you're afraid to be your honest truth. Yes, I said, so if you're a Republican, tell me. And I was shocked. There was, the room was filled with about 40 or 50 people and probably 10 people raised their hand. And I said, well, I respect you and I honor you. I'm sure you have your reasons. And that does not separate us. Yeah. You know, but I was, even, I was like, oh, wow, I really wasn't expecting that. (laughs) I was almost expecting. Well, because if we want to have, um, if we want to create change, we can't cut off people from our lives because no. they disagree ideologically. It's like we need to be willing to have these dialogues of like, why do you think this way? And what, you know what I mean? And I've yep. had these conversations. And I have too. Even with one of my mom's ex-fiancés who she's not with any longer. Um and even the one that she currently is with who is also Who's Republican. Who's also Republican and very which Christian. I don't understand at all. Yeah. Um, and that's okay, though. But I've had kind of <laughs> some of these dialogues of like, 
what do you think about this? And uh, after about 10 minutes or so, they're like, their guard is totally down. And they're like, wow, I've never even seen it that way. Yeah. And it's like so many people haven't because, again, your belief systems are developed between zero and seven. So then you go through and people are just running on that automatic pilot, like neuropathway, yeah. like that they've created. And unless you have these meaningful conversations with and re- with people that you have relationships with, mm-hmm. you're never going to change. I think it's funny that your mom's had two fiancés, both Republican. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different podcast. Um, on that note, Dr. James, thank you so much for coming on. We'll end on a, on a funny note. Um, yes. Where can people find more about you in the center and get in touch? Well, you can go to www.jamesmellon.com. Mm-hmm. That has a lot of my my mental muscle, which is the book I wrote, uh, which talks about how you use your mind as a muscle, uh, how you use it as a, as, as a, tool. a tool. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but that it's a muscle, you know, and you've got to be willing to work it out, not just sit around and let it just turn into blubber yeah (laughs) um so uh there's that and then there's the center's website www.globaltruthcenter.org and it's globaltruthcenter.org i've moved away from religious science using Mm. that as a name science of mind even i think it's all wonderful but i would rather really understand we are global we are one people on one planet yeah. And that it's time we start acting that way. We're all here to evolve. And yes. I like that the name evolved from the religious science to the science of mind and now to global, global truth center. center. I like yes. that. Yeah. I like that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank in. you for letting me come on. I had a great time. <laughs> Amazing. If you guys liked this episode, do me a solid head over to the podcast app and make sure that you are subscribed to Recovering From Reality. Not just subscribed, but give me five stars if you really liked it. Comment, make a review. I really appreciate it. And if you're listening on your phone, you could even screenshot a picture of you listening and tag me up on Instagram and I'll do my best to share it within the community. So thanks for listening, you guys. And I hope you loved this episode. This week's affirmation is today I abandon my old habits that are no longer serving me and I take up new healthy ones. And so it is. 